whether it went from stealing from my parents, stealing from my family, from selling my body for drugs, for money or whatever it is that I could get in return for me to either feel well or get what I needed. Sponsor one time told me I think you need a fucking therapist. To go take care of your mental health. They say statistics show that over half of people that suffer with substance use disorder have co-occurring mental illnesses. I posted a TikTok saying I'm leaving for treatment. I put my address and while I was in treatment, I received over a hundred letters from people on TikTok that were just supporting me and I, I cried every day when I got mail. So today I make sure that I'm treating myself with love and not hate. That I make sure I'm speaking like good things to myself rather than negative We're things. Now, baby. No, no more drugs and no more alcohol. I know that's right. We is live and in color all the way in a Google Me, baby. We're doing this online with all the colors and all the sounds. I have a very special guest with me. I have our girl, Sober Jojo. But what's your real name, girl? What's your real name? I'm Joanny Rodriguez. Joanny. <laughs> so you're Latina? Yes, period. Period. Okay, she didn't ask to be born Latina. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, I'm glad, like I was telling her before we started recording, I'm really excited because I've been following her for a while now and I've been supporting her. And it's crazy to see the, the, the growth and like, you know, you've been sober for quite a while now. So remind us, what is your sobriety date? So it is September 7th, 2021, and it'll be eight months on Saturday. Eight months on Saturday. Yes. Holy shit. Okay. Is this the longest you've had sober or, or what? Yeah, it is the longest. I never made it past five and a half months in the past. That's yeah. crazy. So how does it feel? It feels unreal. Like I cannot even put into words the way it feels. I have this huge feeling of gratitude and I just wake up every day and I'm like, we're collecting these days. Like I just, it's a good feeling. So I, I, I don't know, it's amazing. It is cool though. And I also saw that you were, you started that that jar thing. I think that's so dope where you yes. like, can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so I got that idea from this girl, Caitlin, on TikTok. And uh, every day she started putting a jar, a pebble in a jar for every day she had sober. So I just decided to hop on the trend and I bought a bunch of marbles. So every day I have sober, I just put a marble in a jar. And um, I don't know, it's a good feeling and it's kind of like a visual representation for me of like, wow, like that's a lot of days, that's a lot of marbles. So I enjoy doing it. No, yeah, I like it. And like you said, it's a visual re representation of, of sobriety. Like when I saw I'm like, damn, that's super cool. Cause sometimes we forget like, cause this shit can be challenging sometimes. And I think we're, I don't know, for me, I'm a little hard on myself sometimes, but sometimes I have to think back like that's, that's a long time. So yeah. we have eight months on Saturday. Hold on, what, what is it? Let me see, Saturday <laughs> at 2 PM. She's gonna have all the people supporting her. That's a big deal because I don't know for me like because you know i've been relapsing for a long time and like the last time like before that i had like managed to be sober for like maybe six months but then like i was like doing other things before then yeah. but like when i passed like actually my eight month was kind of hard for me this time but you know once you reach like that six month and like over for me it's it, it was always very like holy shit like what the fuck bro like I still can't believe it you know what I mean so I'm happy to see that for you and 
and you have a lot of support online. Like the thing about you is I noticed you have a lot of people that look up to you and have like just awesome and genuine support. How does that feel? It's an amazing feeling. Like I wake up every day and I'm like, I don't know how I got here or like how I ended up with the support I have, but it's the best feeling in the world. Cause when I went to treatment this time, all I remember was I posted a TikTok saying I'm leaving for treatment and I put my address. And while I was in treatment, I received over a hundred letters from people on TikTok that were just supporting me. And I, I cried every day when I got mail and I was just like, wow, like, well, sometimes it's easy to get caught up in the hate and, but that's 1% of it. Like 99% is people supporting you, people on their journeys. And I don't know, it's, it's just an amazing feeling to know that I can be part of someone's journey and they can be part of mine. So it's really cool. Yeah, that reminds me. That was such a cool moment. Not that, I mean, you went to treatment. That was cool. But like, I remember I was like, damn, like, okay. So you posted that video and I was like, holy shit. Like, I wonder like how it is for her in there. And does she realize like how many comments and supporters she's getting right now and how much love she's getting? Like, cause I'm sure you didn't really have access to see that, right? So so talk to me about that time going into treatment and posting the video. Just walk me through that. I was, so it was right after I got out of the hospital and I was just like, my family was like, girl, we love you, but you need to go to treatment. (laughs) Like, and I was still fighting it. I was like, I don't think I need treatment. And my mom was like, you almost just died. Do you realize that? And the one thing that she said to me in the hospital that still sticks with me to this day is she said, I thought I was going to have to plan your funeral. And I don't know why, for some reason that like this time that just stuck with me, but it did. And I was like, I'm ready to go to treatment. So I posted that video, not thinking that I would really get any mail. I thought maybe a couple people would send me stuff and week one in treatment, I was wondering, I was like, oh, I'm probably getting so much hate on TikTok. (laughs) I'm like, this bitch relapsed again. (laughs) Like, because I was hard on myself. And like it, I don't know, it it was hard. Like, you know, when you're going through that, you're your biggest like hater almost. So I got there and I was like, people are probably hating on me so much. But I remember getting the first letter. And at the front office, they called me the TikTok girl. (laughs) because they were like you keep getting mail from all these random states of people writing you stuff and I realized then I was like I'm excited to check my TikTok when I get out of here um but really I was just glad that I went to treatment because it gave me that time away to work on myself that like I would never like I always say like I've never had that much time to just focus on me and do what I need to do to get better so I'm so glad that I ended up going yeah, it seems like it was such a significant moment, like the way it all played out. And like, I want to get more into that later because I'm interested also. Or let me let me just ask really quick. Yeah. Like, because for me, when I, the last time I went to rehab, like I wasn't on TikTok. Mm-hmm. So I, I always wonder how, because they were aware that you had a following, right? Yeah. And like, how was that? How did you experience like the people that worked there and maybe like the other clients? Did they approach you differently or... No. So in the beginning, the people at the front office were like, what is your TikTok? Like, we have to know what it is. Like, let us, let us like see what it is. And I was like, I'm a little, I feel awkward. And they were like, no, like we just want to see. I'm like, I just post about 
my recovery and my experience. So they started looking at the videos and they were like, girl, like you actually have like support on there and people actually like care about you. Um, and like some of the clients thought it was a little silly that I had TikTok until they started seeing all the mail mm. come in and they were like, oh my gosh, you're like famous. So I'm like, these are just like all these people that were supporting me were people in recovery too. And people sending me pictures of their loved ones that had passed. Um, and they were just like saying positive things like, you know, we hope you keep fighting. Like it's inspiring that you went and it was just pretty cool. I think towards the end of treatment, people were like, wow, like you actually use this as like an outlet and like a support network. And they kind of understood a little bit more, not that it's just making silly videos. So exactly. No, I think that's super cool. And especially to kind of bring that exposure into a place like rehab. And I'm assuming it was a 12, 12 step face mm -hmm. type of rehab yeah. yeah like for me um I ex like the first time like when I first started doing TikTok a lot of the people in the meetings were like cringy about me and like they were just not into it and I still do kind of get like a little like uh weird weird feelings about it but I think like everything else in in the world like one example I use a lot is like journalism, you know what I mean? Like journalism has changed so much, like it develops over time. And I think recovery is one of those things. And um, I think it's super awesome. Like, cause I'm telling you, like when I, when I was in the grips of my addiction, I would look up YouTube videos of people and their recovery stories. So I know how powerful this can be for someone that's struggling and watching you and seeing you be so honest about your journey and relatable like I remember I think I texted you one time and I think I remember saying something like you know because I really appreciate that you're so honest and transparent because sometimes it's hard right like sobriety um, but we don't realize the impact that we have for the other person on the other side have you ever had moments where you come back to that thought or even have thought about it like that like, do you mean the aspect of, of what, like being honest and transparent or what do you mean? Like if you're having a hard day and you're like, fuck, I just want to give up. But then you think mm -hmm. about the people watching. Yes. Like I actually had a day like that just yesterday when I texted mm -hmm. you, um, I was struggling hardcore. Like I was kind of having one of those fuck it days where I was just like, I want to say fuck like sobriety. And the, the way I explain it to people now is that like, let's say I have this table and using is still an option on the table, but I, let's say I have 20 other tools in front of it. That's kind of how I look at it today. Like it was one of those days where I just wanted to, to be honest with everyone. Like I kind of just wanted to get high and not feel my feelings. But then I was like scrolling through my TikTok and I was scrolling through comments of people saying things like, you know, I appreciate your honesty or things like, you know, I want to be where you're at. And like those comments motivate me because I remember when I was on the other side and like, I remember when I first came across your TikTok and it was when I was first <laughs> trying to get clean and I was just like, there's no way these people are clean. And like, they're <laughs> I was like, there ain't no way. So, but y'all were, and I was just like, I want to be like that. And like to be on the other side now, that that motivates me alone to keep going some days. Cause I'm like, you know what? I can make it another day. I just think of it as like another 24 hours. And like, it's just today, yes, it could be an option, but I have so many other tools I can use 
before I go to that last, last, last option. So that's the way I try to think of it today. I really love that uh, visualization of the table with tools. And of course, like using being one of them, because I feel like I kind of do that too. Like I, I personally, like I haven't thought about getting high anymore, but I'm like in this weird phase. I'm like, do I think about getting high anymore? Like, but sometimes I feel like I just want to catch a break, but yes. I don't necessarily think about getting high. But at the same time, I'm like, well, I mean, I, I can always get high, but honestly, I ain't trying to. Like, I just know I fucking relapsed so many times, yep. but it can definitely happen. I know personally for me, like I'm definitely so vulnerable to it and um, it, it's sad. Um, but like I said, I appreciate your honesty. So before I get more into the sobriety thing, I, I kind of want to know more about like your childhood and can yeah. you kind of walk me through that? Yeah, so I am one of three kids. I have an older brother, Jonathan, and a younger brother, Joshua. And my younger brother um, is actually in treatment right now. So that's kind of come full circle, which is a positive thing. He's getting the help he needs. Um, but my mom and dad were together for 20 years. I grew up in a very traditional Hispanic household. Like sometimes not everyone knows what that means, but like in my family, mental health wasn't really something that was talked about addiction wasn't talked about it was kind of one of those things that if you didn't have a physical problem with you there was nothing wrong with you and um my dad i love him but he is a narcissist he was emotionally abusive um mentally abusive just all those things he cheated on my mom um so growing up i didn't feel like i had a voice and i didn't feel like i could really feel the feelings that I was having. And if I ever expressed that I was having feelings of depression or suicidal ideation, it was always brought up like, well, why? That you shouldn't be sad, like you're a kid, like this or that. So my feelings were always invalidated. And at a young age, I always say my first addiction was like escapism, like anything to get outside of myself, I did. Like whether that was going outside, whether that was playing video games, whether that was just anything I could to not feel how I was feeling in that moment, I did. So I would say I, I had a decent childhood, but I definitely struggled a lot with mental health from the time I was probably 11 or 12. Um, and I really didn't get help for any of that up until like about a year ago. So it wasn't the best, but I'm trying now as an adult to heal from those things and like use that to help me become a better person and like a better adult so mm -hmm. yeah so you you mentioned things like you're so relatable <laughs> like I I noticed that too when I was little like I feel like I've always just wanted to be outside of myself like I would sit in the room just drawing and by myself where I would like play video games or like sometimes I'd like create my own shows and act them out like I just didn't feel comfortable in my skin so when when would you say that from those experiences you started noticing or when did you when was your first introduction i guess to like substances like hard substances um well i guess i was 14 because i started smoking weed i would say when i was 13 and then harder substances i started messing with that stuff when i was about 14 years old and from the time i was 16 on was when my addiction kind of took off from the time i was 16 till i was 22. Keyword is, wait, what was the keyword? <laughs> the keyword is hope. Hold on. Pain ends. 
When was the first time that you um, tried an opiate? I was 15. And at that time, it was just, you could get anything from your friend's parents' medicine cabinet. (laughs) So everything was still real at the time. So my friends would just bring things to school, whether it was Xanax or whether it was opiates, and we would just do them at school. And I didn't quite know what I was getting myself into at the time. At the time, I really wanted to fit in with other kids. And I never saw myself as the type, like I grew up in a pretty good house, like all that stuff. I never seemed like the type to other people like to do drugs, but I didn't even quite know what I was getting myself into. I thought I was just doing it for fun. But one thing I noticed immediately, even at 14, 15, was that I could not stop obsessing over that feeling that I got. My friends could like do it once a month or once every other month and like be fine. But I would be like, okay, when, when can you get more? When are we going to do this again? Like, and they were like, chill out. You're acting kind of crazy, <laughs> but it just woke that up inside of me. And I couldn't shut that off on my own. That's so crazy. Yeah. The, the opiates were, were big for me. I got introduced to them like through a car accident, but I remember like even being in school, like in, in one of my um, classes for uh college and I just remember like I don't I don't think like I realized I was physically dependent yet but I just remember fantasizing Mm -hmm. about like oh like damn if I could just have like that pill like I would be able to feel so happy right now I don't know it was fucking stupid and then I would like nonchalantly tell my friends I'm like girl you depressed well you should you should you should get on these pills girl because like I'm telling you they work miracles for me and I would like take them before meetings with my bosses or like when I used to work in radio I would like take it before um like going on air because I was convinced that it made me perform better and like no nerves it was just it was just a shit show but obviously that shit don't last um so, so obviously you, in comparison to your friends, we're getting a little too late with them, right? Yes, a when, little bit. Just a little bit. When was, a, when was one of the first moments that you realized like, oh shit, like my, I'm probably a little too into this shit right now? Probably when I was 16, when everything started for me, like that's when I started mixing Xanax and pills together. And my mom was constantly getting um, dental procedures and she was always getting prescribed hydros. Um, and I started stealing them from her at the time. And I think when I went to go drive my mom to her dentist appointment and then bring her back home, we had to stop by the pharmacy. And my mom went to bed. And I think she had about 60 of them. And I took like over half of them because my mom was only going to take a couple. Um, and then she would stash them for a long time. And after I did that and she went to bed, I was like, okay, I just stole half of these from my mom. And the thing is, I felt a little bad, but I didn't even feel that bad. And I was like, I think something's wrong with me. Cause I was like, why do I need like 30 of these? And I was like, why am I stealing them? But at the same time, I don't want to, I don't want to make any excuses cause there was no excuse for that. But it's almost like, I describe it as like, it was almost something animalistic inside of me that like, I couldn't not do it. Like, it's like, I was no longer me, Joanny. It was like something else was like taking over my body and doing it. And I had, after that, I had no remorse, but I was just like, I think there's something deeply wrong with me. 
but I kept doing it. And that's when I knew that I was an addict, but I didn't know like how far down I was going to like actually go after that. That's insane. And it, and I, I, that resonated with me, like the animalistic nature that, that happens. Like, I don't know when it happened, but like, I was like, you know, I grew up traditional Latino household. I was on roll. Like I was in theater. Like you wouldn't think that I'd be like (laughs) popping pills or something or, but like looking back at the shit that I've done, like literally steal out of my mom's purse and like just all this shady shit. Right. Like in the moment, it's so crazy to think now, I, but I know for sure I wouldn't do that now, but I did, you yeah. know, like obviously something fucking happens in your brain that yes. like prioritizes that substance. It's like a very indescribable like feeling unless you have personally gone through it. So how dark did this addiction take you? So it took me to some low places and it's crazy you just asked that in that way because I had my therapy session with my psychiatrist two days ago and she asked me the same exact question and it took me to some low places like and these are some of these things I just started opening up about recently but I did as much as whether it went from stealing from my parents stealing from my family from selling my body for drugs for money or whatever it is that I could get in return for me to either feel well or get what I needed um, robbing people, whether it was selling it myself, like not, not saying like big time drug dealer, but selling what I could just to make money back. I mean, another thing, one of my best friends, Zoe, and she's in heaven now, but she, we were best friends at the time. And I actually ended up selling her some stuff and she ended up overdosing. And I lived with that for a long time, like that shame and guilt, but she was one of my best friends. And I, I remember a year after she passed, I met with her mom and I told her mom, I was like, I don't know if you know this, but I'm the reason that Zoe passed away. And she just looked at me and she said, you're not the reason she passed away. She said, she loved you. You were her best friend. And if she wasn't going to get it from you, she was going to get it from someone else. She said, I believe that when it's someone's time to go, it's their time to go. And she said, I hate saying that because she was my daughter and she was young. But when she told me that, it I still blame myself, but it, it healed a part inside of me that I didn't even know how much healing it needed. Um, so that was that was really special to me. And I hold that close like to me to this day. But it took me to low places. But even disregard all the physical things I did, I would look in the mirror and I did not know who I was looking at anymore. Like that was not me. Like I didn't recognize who I was mentally and emotionally. I was not there. Like I truly felt like I had no soul anymore. And that's the best way I can describe it. And like you said earlier, like, unless you've seen someone go through addiction that you love very dearly, or you've gone through it yourself, that's the only way I can describe it. But I had no soul. Like it was just like a body. That's really the way I can describe it. So, yeah. Yeah, this is all very intense. And I'm sorry to hear that you had to go through through that because that seems like a very heavy uh, type of situation to go through. Um, But I'm glad to hear that you you got um, some sort of healing from her mom. You know what I mean? Um, What kind of advice do you have for someone who has been in a similar situation? Because unfortunately, that does tend to happen more than not, you know? Absolutely. Like, The biggest thing I can say is 
even though you are going to blame yourself, the way I can describe it is just know that you were doing the best you could at the time with what you had. Because the, most of the time I'll ask my friends who've gone through similar situations is if you look at who you are today, would you have done the same thing knowing what you know now or being the person you are now? And 100% of the time, the answer is no. So I'm like, okay, you weren't in your right mind at the time. You were not the same person you are today. So even though it's easy to blame yourself, I just say you did what you could with what you had at the time. And even though that's hard to, to heal from, that's, that's the best advice I can say. Cause like me knowing who I am today, I would never have done any of those things. So that mm -hmm. kind of gives me some type of healing. Cause it lets me know that I am not who I was. I'm not my past. Um, and that's what kind of just allows me to move forward, knowing that every day I wake up trying to be a better person and I'm not who I was in the past and I'm not defined by the things I did in the past. 100%. You, you said that very beautifully. Thank you. That's awesome. So when was it that you were introduced to uh, recovery or sobriety? So the very first time I got clean was uh, September of 2020. And that was my first introduction to recovery, but I wasn't practicing full abstinence at the time. I support all pathways to recovery, whether it's maintenance or whatever. Um, but I wasn't working a program or anything at the time. I kind of, what I just did is I put down the heavy substances, but I didn't do any work on myself. I was just like, okay, I'm going to merely put this down. And I was kind of just white knuckling the whole time. Like, hopefully this is enough. Like just putting all this stuff away, like maybe this will be enough for me, but it wasn't. And I ended up relapsing in March of 2021, which led to an overdose. And then I was reintroduced to recovery, like shortly after that. And the same thing again, I just put the substances down and was like hoping, okay, maybe this will be enough. That led me to another relapse. <laughs> and that's what led me to treatment. And in treatment was when I was introduced to, I, I had heard about 12 step programs and I'd gone to meetings before, but it's when I was actually introduced to like doing the work, whether, whatever that may be, whether it be a 12 step program, whether it be something else, I was just introduced to like putting the drugs down is not enough. Like drugs, I know in my experience were just a symptom of a greater problem. And that was a problem with who I was and with myself. Like I could not be myself and I could not be comfortable with myself. So I realized I had to do some work because if not, I was going to keep picking up what was taking away the pain. Um, even though it caused greater pain at the end of the day, I was going to, that was my only coping mechanism for so long. So this time in recovery is what led me to where I am today. And this is what's been working, like working a, just for me, like working a program, like having a sponsor, sponsoring other women, um, not just that, but just having a sober network of other friends and people in my life who get what I'm going through, who support me, and they call me out on my bullshit. That's the most important one <laughs> because I need people to who are close to me to be like, hey, I love you, but I see you slipping backwards. Um, so yeah, like it's crazy to think back that that was 2020 and like here we are now, but I'm thankful for that bumpy ride because it led me to where I am. <laughs> Exactly. And you're incredibly inspiring. I really appreciate like you just being transparent with your whole journey. I'm I'm the same way. I embrace all recovery paths. However, I always definitely, if I'm asked, I do suggest that 
you do some type of internal work. And I only say that just from my experience, right? It doesn't have to be a 12-step program. I just really do believe that you have to find what works for you to heal um, because we just carry a lot of fucking pain. And, and I honestly feel, this is my opinion, that a lot of that pain is so deep-rooted that you can't just ne- like necessarily ignore it, you know what I mean? Because it will catch you at a weak time. And then I say that from experience because like, <clears throat> like right now, I'm honestly not as active as I'd like to be in a 12-step program. I've even had thoughts of like, you know, just trying to do something, something else. Uh, and I don't even know what that looks like, but definitely still fully abstinent, but like trying to find a deeper level in like therapy or something. Cause some, also one thing I do want to say really quick is that lately I've realized that like the 12 step program for me has been the only thing that works, but at the same time, it can only um, do so much for there's like I feel like there's a level right and it's always important to like ask for additional help um yeah because like (laughs) my sponsor one time told me I think you need a fucking therapist I'm like wow I never thought about it that way (laughs) but I clearly clearly do um so yeah I love this topic because um uh, like 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 we said earlier, uh, recovery is evolving, right? And yeah. there's not one path. It it not one thing is universal for everyone. Um, and and I'm starting to find that with myself too. It's like sometimes I feel like I, I just need more, or like I'm maybe I'm just dramatic. I don't know, but I feel <laughs> no, like I just want to like <laughs> go to the <laughs> mountains and like have someone just connect with me through like the spirit guides and all this shit like I want to get that deep you know what I mean like together (laughs) I just want to ascend um but some people look at me like I'm crazy at at these meetings they're like bitch you look cuckoo but no it's just there's like um I like that also I might be getting off topic but what I love about you like I said is the transparency right because I think I've seen a few videos where you talk about like um taking meds and like going to psychiatrist and like therapy I really think girl like the first the first year for me and even a little bit towards the second year have been so incredibly hard for me because I did not like I had these like preconceived thoughts of what like therapy or taking meds would be like right like because oh I don't want nothing in my body or like yeah but I was like I realized that there's a lot of things wrong with me like I have a chemical imbalance and I think that's so important to to like how do I say it like to understand you know like we're not all the same some of us are lucky enough to just like you know, just fucking take 12 steps and, and they good to go yeah. with some sticks and y'all good and y'all don't think overthink shit and spiral for no reason. Mm-hmm. But me, girl, I fucking spiral. Overthink. Yes. I freeze and, and I drown. So how has your experience been with like uh, therapy and like uh, a psychiatrist? Because I know you just mentioned that. Yes, it has been phenomenal and I wish I would have done it sooner. I cannot recommend it enough for people to go take care of your mental health because I only want to speak from experience, but the, I will say, like they say, statistics show that 
I think over half of people that suffer with substance use disorder have co-occurring mental illnesses. And I'm not saying that you have to take meds because that's not the case for everyone. But for me, like you were saying, I have a chemical imbalance. So I'm diagnosed with bipolar disorder with ADHD. I have OCD. I have PTSD. And I'm sorry, but I need my medicine because if not, I am actually more prone to relapse. Not saying that's an excuse, but most of the time, a lot of us use to treat this pain or to numb these underlying feelings that we're not getting taken care of before. And when you have a chemical imbalance, you can't just wish happiness upon it. Like as much as you, as much as you can try to be positive, all those things, it, it just wouldn't work. And I remember telling my psychiatrist that I told her, you know, I tried everything. Like I would exercise. I tried eating healthy. I tried to be positive. And she said, she said, I don't, I hope this isn't disrespectful, but she said, I feel bad because all this time you've been trying to do the right things, but she said, you can't fix a chemical imbalance and emotional dysregulation that way. And she said, you don't have to suffer. That's what she told me. And that's what stuck with me. So I have gotten some pushback and some judgment from people about taking medication and recovery and what that can look like. But I was always told that as long as you take your medicine as prescribed and you see what your motives and intentions are on taking that, that's what matters at the end of the day. And also seeing a psychiatrist who's my therapist also, and she does my medication management has been amazing for my mental health because she tracks all my stuff. But I also look forward to speaking to her weekly about my milestones or maybe like my low points for the week. And She's been helping me work through some childhood trauma and some sexual trauma and just so many different things. And I just can't recommend it enough. I think everyone should see a therapist just solely, even if you need a sounding board and someone to talk to who's not biased, because it's done wonders for my mental health. And I truly think that's why this time in recovery has been different. When you said like, not just the 12 steps, that's what's helped me, like having a psychiatrist, having my network meetings also, but taking care of me and my mental health has been what's really helped me this time. Thank you so much for saying that. Seriously. Yeah. It's so, so important. Like, and, and I know like for me, I think back, like, cause you know, it took me like basically a little over two years to like, just make an appointment and ask a professional what they think. <laughs> like you're literally asking a professional, like, you know what I mean? Like you're asking a legit doctor and like, they've gone to school for this. They have experience. And like, at the end of the day, like you have to put yourself first and mental health is so important. Not even considering the fucking pandemic and all the shit that's going on outside, girl, we are recovering during a very unique time. Yeah. And it's just so, so important to be paying attention to all of those things. So I'm so proud of you that you're taking care of yourself because I know it ain't easy, you know? No. no. <laughs> um, so I'm more, I'm interested now too, like, cause I'm like kind of getting new into this, like, as far as like discovering <laughs> what's wrong with me, <laughs> so many layers of what's wrong with me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, nothing's wrong with me, but there's a lot of layers, like I said, yeah. um, so I think I, I remember you just saying something along the lines of like your low points of the week or high points. Looking back, even before you started uh, so, uh, using drugs, um, would you say that you noticed that you had a chemical imbalance like when you were younger? And if so, like what were some examples? Yeah, like um, a lot of it I can point back now to having like bipolar and depression and anxiety. But for me, I just always realized that no matter 
like I felt like there would be situations going on where I should feel happy. Like a normal person would feel happy, but I would be standing in a room with like my whole family and everyone. And I would feel so alone. I was just, but I didn't know why. Cause I didn't want to feel that way. I was like, I don't know what's wrong with me. Um, or like I would be doing something and I would be super, super happy. And then the next minute I would feel so low. Like I didn't want to be alive. And I was like 12. I was like, what is wrong with me? <laughs> like, what is going on? Um, so I tried so many things to try to not feel that way. Cause I was like, I, like, I truly didn't understand like what was going on, but it was just high and low, high and low back and forth. And now I realized that that was like my bipolar disorder. Cause I didn't know too much about it up until very recently, but um, I don't know. I just never felt normal felt like if I did feel happy soon after I would feel the lowest low I've ever experienced but then sometimes I would almost feel manic and I would feel like I could conquer anything and everything um so it was just very back and forth um my mood swings growing up same like I'm telling you I relate to you so much like now looking back I, I see a lot of that in me when I was little like I was always so like neurotic and like just depressed all the time and now like that I've been sober for two two years almost three the first two years have been very that like one one moment I'm like whoop and so excited and so thrilled and then out of nowhere like it's and and I cannot explain it to someone who can't understand me mm -hmm. because they'll tell me some bullshit like well just turn that frown upside down or get over it bitch I wish I could. Yeah. I wish I could. Like, trust me, it is so, like, I have to put, like, so much effort sometimes. Mm -hmm. I'm still, like, just discovering a lot of things. But yeah, sometimes I have felt in sobriety after I do the steps and go to meetings and, like, try everything, exercising, that there's still sometimes have, has felt like there's, like, this big cloud over my head that, like, I can't get out of. And it's so frustrating because, like, I feel like I'm a, a burden to like the people around me and it's like I don't want to be like that and like what's wrong with me so if you experience that ask a professional because we are not doctors but ask for some help do some research yeah okay because we don't want you to feel like that okay yes. we don't <laughs> so yes. yeah it, it, it's so crazy what about um so let's jump into your sobriety journey as of late because I, yes. I see you got a new man you moved into your new place. Yes, Girl, she is living your best life. I am. Talk, talk about how you feel right now, though. Like, I feel you, you know. so good. Like, I cannot explain. Like, y'all, this is my meditation room up in here. It's, I got a meditation room. Like, I can't believe I'm yes. saying that. Um, like, I don't know. I feel so good. And, like, I'm not trying to turn this into, like, a, like, what people should do. But the one thing I can say is sometimes there are situations where you feel like you should stay with someone because you're comfortable um and that like when you're like when you're with someone else for so long sometimes I feel like you stay because you feel like that's as good as it gets or you're comfortable with that person um and I had to jump out of my comfort zone by leaving a long-term relationship and I was terrified I knew I deserved better and I knew I needed more but I was terrified because I was scared of the unknown but I have never been happier, like genuine joy, genuine happiness, genuine love, like 
my boyfriend is also in recovery. He's about to be six nice. months clean. And he's just a phenomenal person. He's also white. We love our whiteies. Um, we, have, we have white boyfriends. Don't speak to us. Yes. <laughs> but no, he's, he's phenomenal. He's so understanding and he's so loving and patient and kind but he's also funny and can be a smart ass which I need in my life because I'm a smart ass um, I just need someone that can deal with me but no I mean I'm so ecstatic like and I I have a place now where I can truly be myself and feel comfortable and there's just positive energy in the air and it's just a good feeling like I'm excited to come home every day I'm excited to be growing with someone else that also wants to grow and that's important to me because I can't stay stagnant in life like I feel like when you stay stagnant you're moving backwards I got to keep moving forward and I got to be around people that also want to pour positivity into my life and like just keep pushing forward like like let's make these goals together and let's just keep growing like there's so much to life and I feel like I'm actually getting to experience and live that now so I am I'm beyond happy I'm very happy Girl, I can see it and I can feel it. And I'm so freaking happy for you. And I like that you say, you mentioned something along the lines of like growing together. Mm-hmm. Like relationships in general, whether it's a friendship or a romantic relationship, I, I do personally love when it's someone that uh, challenges me or like I can mirror in some way for growth. I remember when I first got into my relationship, 13 days clean, <laughs> straight straight out of detox. Um, I had a lot of people... And rightfully so concerned, you know, because I was 13 days clean. I did not know myself. Still don't. I still don't after two years. Okay. I still don't. This shit don't. Like, that's another thing. Okay. Before I say, because uh, you should not be dating in in this amount of time. You're not ready. I'm like, bitch, when are you actually ready? Yeah. Like, like this shit, you don't just reach a point in in your age or in your life where you're like, wow, I am fully healed and I can take on a relationship. No, you know, the way I've experienced this relationship, I'm not gonna lie, it's been a little challenging just because of my insecurities and like I was fresh, so freshly sober. Yeah, but it has also magnified those areas to be like, okay, I didn't know I was like that. Mm-hmm. Girl, I did not know I was that insecure. I didn't yeah. know I overthought shit like a lunatic. Um, <laughs> and it has made me aware. Yeah. and has shown me things I want to work on and has empowered me and because he he we have the same sobriety date and like he's in recovery too so again it was oh I want to be like him like I want to be active and, and it's cool to have someone to grow with in sobriety I think that's really helpful so how has your experience been because I saw a video someone I think they asked you a question about mm-hmm. dating in early sobriety so can you give us a gist on your thoughts on that yeah <laughs> So, I mean, people had comments about our relationship too, because obviously I got divorced. Um, He is about to be six months clean. So at the time he was living in sober living and he was like three months clean. So a lot of people had comments. They were like, y'all are probably going to relapse real soon. And I was like, number one, don't be saying that to me because I love a challenge. Number two, um, (laughs) I don't have any advice per se, but I think it's different for everyone. Like, I always say check your motives because when you check your motives and check why you're pursuing someone and why you're doing something, are you doing it because you're lonely or are you doing it because you actually like that person? Um, And I just say, it's hard to, I feel like it is like what you said. It's hard to know when you're fully ready, but I feel like as long as you check your motives and 
just check where you're at physically and mentally. Like, is my mental health okay? Like, um, I don't know. It's hard to give advice on it because like, I didn't follow the quote unquote rules either, but I just, I had to check with myself. I just had to really ask myself. I know when, when we were pursuing each other, what are my motives with him? I said, do I have genuine feelings for this person? Like, why do I like this person beyond surface level things? Like, why do I want to pursue this relationship? And also I had to make sure that this was someone like you were saying that I could actually grow with and sobriety wise that was either just as serious or more serious than I was because the one thing I wasn't going to mess with was my sobriety because if you threaten my sobriety I'm sorry but you got to go so that's just what I had to check um that was what I followed so hopefully that can help someone but I don't know (laughs) No, it's very true. Like we're, we're, I don't, I personally think we're never exactly ready, but I think you gave some sound advice, like check your motives. And I think also be accountable and be prepared, like have some type of contingency plan, like, because relationships can be heavy because like the way I also see it is like, you're getting two addicts together, baby two addicts we all got our own trauma we all got our own issues but is we gonna be a team or not is we gonna yeah. be a team if we're gonna be a team then we're gonna be all right i remember a lot of people were telling me you're gonna relapse bitch you're gonna relapse yeah. i'll see you i'll see you with your 24 hour chip like i literally had a guy tell me this i have it on a recording i need to find out snapchat okay. and i did not because i really do think i'm really cheesy but i really do think that certain things in life are orchestrated for a reason and I have grown so much in this relationship and I've learned a lot and I've also learned that just like sobriety that's one thing I've been able to carry with myself is like anything that may be challenging or quote-unquote difficult um, is always worth it especially if you're learning right like if sobriety was easy if relationships were easy if jobs were easy then like you would just stay stagnant Right. And it, it, there's no, no growth to that. So I'm happy for you, girl. You, you keep, you keep shining. What's his name? Robert. <laughs> his name's Robert. Okay, Robert. Shout out to Robert in the building. They got live together, huh? Yes. He's out there. How is that? How is it's, that? Is... It's good. I won't lie. It was, so I'm, I'm going to be real frank and honest. Um, we were dating for probably like two months before we moved in together. Um, so it was a little crazy and not going to lie either. We got a matching tattoo like two months within knowing each other. Um, he does tattoos. So we were like, let's get a best friend tattoo. I was like, why not? And he was like, let's do it. And then we started dating afterwards. Um, I was a little nervous and I was scared. Like I won't front I was for so long. I was like, am I really ready for this? Um, but I was like, you know what? I'm not going to know if I don't try. So why not just try? And it's been, I thought it was going to be awkward. I thought it was going to be uncomfortable. But from the second we started living together, it's as if we had been with each other for a long time. Like things just flowed. There was never any awkwardness or uncomfortableness. Um, I don't know, like what you said a little bit ago, like I believe some things like, you know, I believe my higher power, like just kind of works some things out sometimes the way they're supposed to. And that's kind of how I think, we happen to get together. I just think it was part of like a greater plan and it's been working. So I'm, I'm very grateful and I'm thankful that things have been going the way they do. And I hope they continue to. 
I'm so happy for you. I'm sure they will. And that resonates with me a lot too. Like I've always lived at my mama's house. I never went to a sober living, which I do recommend now. (laughs) But like now that I have my own place with this dude, like it's, it's so interesting Mm -hmm. still to this day, like discovering new things about them. Um, And it's so empowering to Mm -hmm. like, have your own little place yes and like just be able to walk around in your own underwear whenever you want and like you know call the shots have a little argument here and there have sex wherever you want you know what I mean like period girl let me tell you like because this dude was at a because he works for sober livings or whatever Mm -hmm. and like he had to like stay at a sober living it was so annoying like (laughs) trying to have sex with him like Hello. I was like oh my god you're so annoying I feel like I'm in high school that's funny though so you said interesting yeah it's it's interesting so now okay so really quick because damn we're already running out of time yeah. I want to talk about the 12 step step experience for you I, I you mentioned you have sponsees right yes talk about that because I always I'm interested Yeah, like, honestly, the 12 steps, I will say has been part of like saving my life. Um, There's a lot of moving parts, but I got a I got lucky and I got a phenomenal sponsor while I was in treatment. I met her at the first NA meeting I went to while I was in treatment in the area I live in and it's now my home group and I now live three minutes away from it. So it kind of all worked out. Um, But she's one of the first women other than my mom that I truly trusted and built this bond with that like was kind of undescribable. And I was just like, I don't know how I'm going to tell all these deep, dark secrets to this woman. I don't know. Or I don't, I don't know. It's hard to explain, but the 12 steps, like they've just been vital in my recovery and now being a sponsor and having sponsees, I kind of get to see it come full circle. And people think like, you know, a sponsor, like, that's the person that's there for you always. But my sponsees teach me more every day and do so much for me. I think more than I do for them. Like they, some days when they call me, I'm like, damn, that's exactly what I needed to hear today. Or you really like, almost like you humbled me a second ago. <laughs> like just <with> what <laughs> said that, that they weren't even trying to, but I was like, you know what? Like having them in my life has really been able to keep me pushing on my hard days. And the 12 steps in general, like, I know there can be some bad preconceived notions about 12 step programs, um, or there's just a lot of sometimes some stigmas around it and how some people act. But I just always like to tell people, try it out for yourself. Don't let a couple people's opinions of it deter you, you know, give it an honest shot. And then if after that, it's not for you, then it's not for you. Um, I had a lot of preconceived notions going into it, but I'm so glad that I gave it an honest shot and that I just really poured my heart into it. Cause I said the worst that could happen is what it doesn't work. But Mm -hmm. I was like, I got, cause when I got to treatment, they told me we're going to be going to NA and AA. I said, no, I'm not. They were like, (laughs) yes, you are. I was like, okay, well I'm getting no sponsor. I'm working the 12 steps. I'm not doing all that. And they're like, okay, then don't either don't do it. or. And I was like, y'all didn't got to say it like that. I'm like, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. But I gave it an honest shot and I'm so glad I did. Cause here I am almost eight months later. So. Oh my God. Eight months. I'm I so know. happy for you. Thank Damn. you. Like you're really doing it girl. What has been, uh, 
your favorite or most like significant experience with a step? Like what step gave you that like, oh shit, this is dope working? I think honestly, and it's gonna sound so silly, but I think step one, and, and that mm -hmm. sound that may sound silly to some people, but when I sat down with my sponsor, cause for, cause my whole, like for the past several years of my life, I knew I was a drug addict, but I honestly don't think I ever sat and looked at myself and was like, I want to live like an, a quote I heard was 5149, meaning I want to live a little bit more than I wanted to die. And I don't mm -hmm. think I ever sat down and was like, you know what? I'm a drug addict. I accept I'm a drug addict, but I don't want to be this way for the rest of my life. And I remember telling that to my sponsor. I was like, you know what? I think this is the first time I'm admitting this. And then also working my resentments, like was big for me doing my step four because I was holding on to a lot of shit that was weighing me down. And I was holding on to a lot of hate for people that it didn't even affect them. It was only affecting me. Um, so working that was extremely important to me. And I'm working on like step six, also like my character defects that humbled me. It humbled me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I filled out a whole notebook of defects. Um, and I was like, okay, like I, I got a lot wrong with me, I see, but it's okay. Um, because you know what, like today, I also don't have to, I used to magnify everything bad about myself. But today I try to magnify the good. Well, I, well mm. I can still work on the bad, but I can also focus on the good things. Because like I said before, I'm not who I used to be. I'm not that drug addict, liar, thief like girl who sells herself like no today I'm in recovery I'm honest I'm a good friend I'm a good daughter I'm a good girlfriend um so yeah I think all the steps were important for me but especially step one and step four and step six were were vital hell yeah that's amazing so on hard days you mentioned that your sponsors tend to humble you help you out yes higher power right yes what, what else do you feel kind of help you stay afloat? My mom. My mom is my ride or die. She really is. My mom, my sober network, which is like all my friends, my sponsor, my boyfriend, um, my psychiatrist. She's part of my sober network. Um, <laughs> she's very important to me. And also the relationship I have with myself today mm. is one of the most important things because that's the number one relationship I was neglecting for so long. Like who you have in your circle is so important, but at the end of the day, how I view myself and how I speak about myself and how I treat myself is so important to me. So today I make sure that I'm treating myself with love and not hate, that I make sure I'm speaking like good things to myself rather than negative things. And then also meditation. Meditation has been huge for me, just practicing mindfulness and being able to put everything else to the side and just focus on whether it's just my breathing, or just being able to escape everything, even if it's just for 20 or 30 minutes, like that has saved me so many times when I felt like the world was crashing down on me. So that's, that's amazing. amazing. Yeah. Like you're really taking care of yourself. What are some acts of love that like, you, what are ways that you show yourself love, I guess? Yeah, so definitely meditation. Um, another one is getting my nails done. Got them done mm -hmm. today. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, I think also for me, like a big thing is words of affirmation. So for some people, it may feel a little silly, but I'll like write sticky notes of things that I just really need to hear. Sometimes it just may be something as little as like, 
I am important and I'm loved and I'll leave them around the house for myself or when I wake up in the morning again it may feel silly to some but like I'll look in the mirror and I'll just tell myself like you know what you are a good person you know what you're not your past because sometimes my mind will cloud will cloud my judgment and I'll feel like I'm drowning in all these past thoughts and like the past person of who I was but um those are some of the biggest things for me, just practicing words of affirmation and just making sure that I'm taking care of my mental health and that I'm giving myself grace. Because I feel like a lot of us are really hard on ourselves. But when we take a step back, you know, a lot of us are trying to do a lot of things. And we don't stop to tell ourselves like, you know what, bitch, you're doing a good job. Like, <laughs> so those, those have been the main things for me. And just, you know, just making sure I'm taking care of myself. So, so true. Again, like, I just love how authentic you are, girl, because I feel like a lot of us are like that. It's sometimes really hard to de detach from the past. And even now, sometimes I get caught up in my own thoughts and it's hard not to feel like a piece of shit. But then, like, we really do got to sit back and be like, bitch, you just went through all that. Mm -hmm. You got out of it. Yes. Like, your your story is so inspiring. I hate that we're running out of time, but I have a few more things before I let you live your best life. Um, I always ask this one, what kind of piece of advice do you have for anyone that's listening right now and is currently in those dark ass moments of addiction? Um, well, number one, I want you to know that you are loved and you are not alone in this, that there are so many of us who are exactly where you are and just that there's hope and there is a way to get out of it. Um, I just remember in those times I felt like there was no one else in the world that understood what I was going through and there was no one that was going to love me um, because of what I was doing or who I was. But the biggest thing I can say is that you're loved, you're important, and that you are more than what you are going through. Um, and just that there's people on the other side that are just waiting here to help you and just accept you and love you where you're at. So. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, like 100%. There really is a whole family out here just mm -hmm. waiting. I, I used to be stuck in that idea too. I'm like, damn, ain't nobody going to want to help me. Mm -hmm. I feel so like I carried so much shame. I, I related a lot to like how I used to be in the closet. And I used to be so shameful. I used to have like this. I was in the Could you believe I was in the closet? I was. <laughs> uh, and I was in the closet about being an addict. And I remember like the first time like I shared it with another like uh, person in recovery like how they embraced me mm -hmm. and it was such a genuine like connection because they didn't want anything from me other than to help me so please know that there are so many people out there that are willing to help there are so many resources like chat in the little comment section we'll reach back out you know what I mean like this helps us more than you know yeah. so please Give yourself a shot, baby. Give yourself a shot, a good shot. You know what I mean? Like a recovery. Yes. Um, <laughs> period, girl. Any last words you got? Any any shout outs? Any any piece of advice you, you want to say before we go? Honestly, no. I think that is everything. Like I, like I just said a minute ago, just to everyone who is listening, just remember you're loved, you're important, and uh, that you're not alone. So, yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, boo. And thank y'all for listening. I still see y'all. I know I've been sitting back a little bit, but your boy was going through some things mentally, but he back. So um, thank you guys so much. And we're now, baby.